Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Exurga Deus Dissipentur Inimici Eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let all those who hate him flee from before his face. Alright, so before I even begin to get started, if you can hear the fan in the background, um, I do apologize. It's, well, two days ago it was 40 degrees, and today it was 97. Ah, I missed the 40 degrees. It at least... You know, had me not running fans all over the house trying to keep cool. <laughs> but apparently summer is here, so, you know, we'll go with it. The second part is I anticipate that tonight I'm actually going to get a few more listeners than I normally do because I got a lot more attention than I prefer to get when I'm hanging around online. Um, on the rundown. So for those of you who are tuning in, having heard about Radio Free Catholic for the first time from the rundown, welcome. Um, I hope, legitimately I hope that this will actually be a good experience for you because the, uh, yeah, honestly, I wasn't expecting the attention. So we've had a lot of developments over the last week. And they all seem to be headed in the same direction. Um, For those of you who are actually catching after the rundown, I'm kind of going to brush across a few of the topics that they covered there, um, specifically because it all heads in kind of the same direction. I'm also going to hit up a few other things kind of happening in the background. Um, I mean, in all honesty, you may or may not know about it. If you weren't catching it, um, a quick Google search will, you know, indicate some of it. Others of it, um, you may have to do a little bit more searching and, you know, get a get a web browser that's not going to filter your feed even when you try to search for something. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defendenos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli est opraesidium. Imperatili deus supplicis de precamur, duque princeps militae calestis, satra maliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo, divina virtute, in infernum de trude. Amen. Cor Jesus sacratissimum, miserere nobis, mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. 
Sancti Iosif, ora pro nobis. Beatus Carolus Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvierimus. Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So there's been a lot of news moving around and shifting. There's been a lot of stuff coming up. Um, of course, they've been talking about the 10,000 or so cattle that died in Kansas. Um, the official story apparently is a heat blast at night. Um, I don't... I don't remember reading about that. I don't remember seeing any indicator that that was such a thing. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. There are a lot of people, and, and to the credit of the some of the newscasters, 10,000 cows dying apparently is not as significant as we think. And I'm inclined to go with that. Not because I think, oh my goodness, you know, there's nothing to be worried about. There is, of course, something to be worried about. For the ranchers, ten th for, for a rancher, for any, for any group of ranchers, 10,000 cattle dying is losing something to the tune of like $200 million. At $2,000 a head, or not $200 million, $20 million. $20 million I don't think anybody can really afford. $2,000 a head, 10,000 cattle, that's a lot of money. It's also a lot of beef. And if the story is true, and it was a heat blast overnight, then it's a lot of roast beef. Yes, I know it's a bad dad joke. I got it. I got it. I promise I'll only do it one or two more times. When you take those 10,000 beef and then add it to the dozens of thousands of chickens butchered by, according, uh, by order of the FDA for supposedly having some semblance of a bird flu. And then you add that to the um, almost two dozen, I think by now, food processing facilities that have been shut down either by fire or accident or flood or malfunction or chemical contamination. And then you add that to the baby formula shutdown that was instituted again by the FDA because of a supposed chemical contamination or the potential chemical contamination that, that required the recall of millions of units of baby formula. And then you add in the, they say it was a chicken processing facility that was not quite accurate. What it was, was a processing facility that was harvesting eggs from chickens that shut down and ended up causing a bit of an egg interruption. Add that to COVID and the fact that we depleted during that whole pandemic, every bit of spare resource that we could and anything that we didn't have depleted due to COVID, we turn around and depleted with Russia and Ukraine and billions and billions of dollars and the basic opening up of the strategic diesel reserves, the st strategic oil reserves and, and other things that have basically done nothing except leave the United States of America in an extraordinarily crippled state. When you take all of that together, it is easy to see that as one as one person said um, on actually in the chat feed on the rundown that we're already in the chastisement and we are definitely in the entrance funnel. And when I say entrance funnel, I'm speaking funnel in terms of like the 
little uh, spiral that happens as, you be, as you're circling the drain. We're definitely up at that point because we have not begun the chastisement yet. <clears throat> now, for those of you who might disagree, I'm going to remind you that in St. John's Apocalypse, in Marie-Julie Jehenny's um, visions about, about the three days of darkness and the, and the great chastisements coming from Marie-Julie Jehenny, from Our Lady of Akita, from Our Lady of Fatima, like, as you roll that all the way through, when you take all of the apparitions and you take all of the Catholic prophecies from all of the sources that are generally considered reputable by the church, what you get is one common theme when the chastisement has really hit full tilt. And that common theme is that in those days, the living will envy the dead. So, there are many people who I suppose could definitely fall into that. We have had a tremendous spike in suicides, particularly among America's young, and actually among young people around the world. It has increased, they've, they've made a really big deal about it, about it increasing fourfold among girls. And they talked about how the increase in suicidal ideation increased fourfold among, among teenage girls throughout the course of the last two years during the pandemic. There's a problem with that. Because in looking at the fourfold increase in suicidal ideation, self-harm, and attempted suicides, you neglect to pay attention to the fact that boys are four times more likely to succeed, and it is extraordinarily likely that they suffered just as much as the girls, but nobody's talking about that. Now, in this day and age of super mega wokeness, I'm not surprised that nobody's talking about that. Being, what do they call it? Being a heteronormative cisgender male, which is to say not being broken in the head and being a man, is uncool. This is actually the final stage of the attack, by the way. Or we're in the final stages, I should say. <clears throat> Our Lady of Fatima said that the final battle will be fight, fought over the family. And so they went after men first, in sort of a soft kind of way. And with, what they did was they didn't go after men. What they did was they denigrated women through feminism. In attempting to make women more like men, more equal to men, whatever the heck they even mean by that, what they got was they got women who were, in fact, more equal to men. Now, I don't know what they meant by it. I, not for sure. I can kind of infer based on the outcomes. But I know what I mean when I say women are more equal to men. All feminism did was they made women as expendable as men. That's it. Look at the things that they fought for. Taking women out of the home and putting them in, the manufa and putting them in, in a warehouse or in a factory or in a mine or trying to get them to do other dangerous jobs, law enforcement, military, and stop being the thing that is most important for women to be culturally across humanity. And that's mothers. 
Now, I could spend a lot of time extolling how wonderful it is, how tremendous the job of a mother is, how magnificent and daunting and world-changing it is. But if you're one of those sort of people who think that me using the word motherhood, you know, raising a family and talking about and talking about a woman's place being in the home with her children, if you think I'm using that as a pejorative, well, then you're just another moron. Now, for my regular listeners who are not tuning in for the first time, you will obviously know that there is nothing higher than motherhood pretty much on earth. I mean, don't get me wrong, religious vocations have that, have that greater perfection, but we're talking in the temporal world, in the temporal material world in which we all live. There is no thing more important than motherhood because without mothers, we don't have kids. Without kids, we don't even actually have people. And without people, well, I mean, this whole argument is moot. But they went after women first, in the same way that the devil went after Eve rather than going after Adam. So they go after women, and then their next step was not going after men. Not directly. They did run a campaign against men. So you had the bumbling husband, you had, what was it, uh, Welcome Back Cotter and Homer Simpson, those sort of archetypes, the Peter Griffin archetype, the Al Bundy archetype, the, the doddering, feckless, weak, effeminate husband and father who is neither a good husband nor a particularly virtuous father. But that was kind of oblique. And the fact is, is as much as they were saying that women needed to be equal, they were trying to raise this, that they knew it wasn't going to, well, somebody knew that it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be enough. Because it wasn't enough just to pull women out of the home and, and denigrate the idea of being a housewife and a mother. That wasn't enough. But they couldn't go directly after the father because, let's face it, at that time, we'd still punch you in the face. Think about this. If they'd have tried that in the 1970s, you'd have got clocked. In the 1980s, you'd have got clocked. If you want proof of these things, all you got to do is look at how things were portrayed in movies in the 70s and 80s. As you advance into the 90s, things begin to change, but we don't start pulling our punches, really, until right about the mid-2000s. Through that time period, they didn't target I mean, they were already pretty much, I mean, they were pretty much, if you look at it, they were pretty much done targeting women. Look at how much didn't change. You get to right around the late 80s, and then you and then you draw that line about womanhood, and it doesn't really, like, there's no real big push in the, in the late 80s, in the early 90s, in the late 90s, in the 2000s. It was just kind of smoothed over, okay, everybody's kind of used to it, cool, we're going to carry on. So what did they do in the meantime? Well, they took it one step further and then they just went into the schools. They didn't do what they're doing now. But in the schools, they just made sure that, they made sure that woman's new place in the world ossified. How do we know? By the early 2000s, 
the propensity of men going to college dropped. But it didn't just drop in colleges, men didn't really go to tech schools either. By the time you get to the early 2000s, and this is the beginning of the rise of the millennial, honest question, and I know this is gonna rub a lot of my millennial audience the wrong way. Honest question, what are millennials known for? Legit, what are you guys known for? You guys aren't known for going to college. You guys aren't known for doing anything really big. You guys aren't known for starting your own businesses. You guys aren't known for, you know, sound political ideas. Millennials are most known for gaming, particularly millennial men. Millennial men are most known for playing video games and surfing the interwebs and watching porn. They're most known for doing things like skating and getting into sports, like getting into sports, but sort of the amateur level sports. And maybe the, and when I say the amateur level sports, I mean before like the X games really hit hard and became a thing. You know, you get skateboarding, maybe some rollerblading, maybe, you know, some, a few different things here and there. But by and large, if you look at the millennials, you guys are most known for just being millennials. Your stereotype types include not really working all that hard. particularly among men. Millennials are the source of the man bun. I'm sorry to say this, but that's that started when you guys were raising were rising to prominence. When you guys when you guys were showing up in your early to mid 20s, that was when the man bun really started to show up. And I'm not saying that Generation X is any better. This is, I'm not trying to turn this into a battle of the generations. I am simply trying to show you what happened to masculinity in the early 2000s overall. Now, to be sure, we were fighting a war, and so, you know, veterans and this, that, and the other, combat troops, blah, blah, blue, support the troops, this, that, and the third. We still kind of understood what masculinity meant, even if we didn't have any men who were built willing to be masculine. At least by and large. Now, for those of you who are like, well, what about the ones who joined the military? Yes, the people who joined the military, they're roughly 1% of the population. 1% of the population. So 1% of millennial men were actually men. 2% if you add in like most of the law enforcement agencies, firefighters, all that other stuff. Like I said, you're, you're talking about a very small portion of the population that actually pursued what it is to be a man. Now, to your credit, you also saw the trap that Generation X got sucked into with The Office. And you realized whatever it is that we're supposed to be stuck in a cubicle under fluorescent lighting working 40 to 50 hours a week in a job that's only sucking the soul right out of you is definitely not the way to go. And so that's to your credit without a doubt. Make no mistake about it. My generation got sucked into that crap. <clears throat> now, as we push further forward, the attack to destroy masculinity really popped off about five years ago. Actually, correction, we're coming up on seven years ago. <clears throat> 
about seven years now mind you the seed for this was laid back in 2011 2012 2013 okay as as a as hap, as a person who has had as a man who's had his life destroyed by the seeds of this fine of this bigger attack on masculinity i can definitely tell you that it, it did predate that but the seeds were really planted in 2011 2012 2013 but they really started to sprout when the Me Too movement really started to grab traction, which was right around end of 2013, beginning of 2014, and then by 2015, it was in full swing. Because now, you started hearing stupid phrases like toxic masculinity. Now, I want to take a moment to digress just for a second for this word, toxic. Okay? If you ever describe me as toxic in an unironic way, you are going to find out what toxicity really means. Just saying. Because toxic was first starting to be pushed as a phrase, toxic leadership. And the funny thing about it is, is that for the in the whole push to fight toxic leadership, and mind you, I watched this happen come to pass from about 2007, 2008, toxic leadership was identified as a problem in the military. And every step that they took to fight this toxic leadership made the leaders worse. They didn't care. Not about their soldiers. They didn't really care about, I mean, they kind of cared about the mission, but mostly, the people who were trying to fight the moniker, trying to avoid getting identified as a toxic leader, were the ones who really, that was their principal goal. Whatever happened, they just wanted to make sure they weren't identified as toxic. And because they didn't want to be identified as toxic, their actions were, oh yeah, that's right, you guessed it, toxic. And I watched that roll through the military before they started talking about toxic masculinity. And here's the thing. You hear the word, first, I mean, the word toxic is like, it's not a very good word. It tastes bad in the mouth when you just try to say the word absent anything else. You know, forget about all the political cultural stuff. And just, I want you to say the word once. And you'll understand that when like, it evokes a whole set of emotions. And like, if you really examine the word, there's a reason why that is. But that's also... The reason, the the fact that it is, is the reason why they use it as the principal weapon. So it was toxic leadership in twenty in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and it became toxic masculinity in two thousand twelve through about two thousand fifteen. And the phrase toxic masculinity became ubiquitous. The last thing they had to do was they had to make themselves look like they were fighting the guys who were supposedly up top. And so and that's when they started shifting over to the to the racist thing, the whole CRT, white fragility, all that crap. In politics. But they switched to that mostly as a distraction. Because all of the people who talk about it, when you, like, if you ask, first off, I mean, well, at this point, I don't even recommend you actually engage with people 
who think in terms of white fragility or critical and actually where you can see the critical race theory crap oozing out of their ears and spewing out of their mouths because you're not going to get it's not going to be a worthwhile conversation pretty much at all but that became the next distraction so you really didn't see what their actual goal was because they had the soft sell on the kids before but once they got mom out of the house and mom was too busy to care about her children properly because she wasn't she wasn't at home so she wasn't engaged with kids homework dad was pretty much out of the house whenever dad was around but they eventually pushed to the point they eventually realized that if they really wanted to destroy the full force like actually take the full force against the family you couldn't just take dad out of the house you had to discredit dad altogether and how do you do that the trans agenda the final attack on dad I mean, don't get me wrong, it's also an attack on mom, but the final attack on dad is the trans agenda. Viscerally, every man in America, and probably anybody who knew about it in the world, was able to see where this was going the moment that Bruce Jenner changed his name and started the plastic surgery. Because now you've created a conundrum for your family. Because now, what do you call dad when he doesn't want to be called dad? Because now, dad is Caitlyn, and he no longer has his man bits. Do you switch over and say the one person whom you were, who, who raised you? Who was dad is now mom? Like, how does that even work? And that went kind of slowly, but look at it now. And it doesn't take long. Historically, it never took long. The Weimar Republic was that last gasp before all semblance of sanity left Germany. And to say that the Weimar Republic was the last gasp of sanity, you have to understand exactly, like, this is a stretch. The Weimar Republic, one of the reasons, one of the things that was stipulated was to make sure that that Wilhelm, his son, I think it was his son, who was a pedophile and a pederast, they had to get him out. But nobody was willing to say, hey, there's a different, you know, there's, there is such a thing as right and wrong. So Weimar fell into decadence, in part because they fell into extraordinary poverty, and eventually people just kind of fall to doing whatever it is that they think they have to do to survive, and it does not matter how nasty those things are. But it was a very short time before, before they imploded. You had a simultaneous thing, even though it was happening behind the Iron Curtain, you had a simultaneous thing ha- happening in Bolshevik Russia. 
before they finally before finally by the time you get to communist russia in the 1950s the communist party was more victorian than victorian england because they realized that this they couldn't carry on the way they were going And because they'd already instituted a totalitarian state, it made it much easier for them to kind of push the levers and try to flip the switches and get everything back somewhere vaguely resembling normal. But the stain of the Bolshevik Revolution that included the stain of transgenderism, of sodomy, of, of pederasty and pedophilia, of polygamy, and a total lack of anything resembling matrimony, That stain was never expunged because they, I don't even think they, it even crossed their minds that they had to because they'd become a completely godless society. But these things also happened in ancient Persia. These things also happened in India. They happened in Japan. They happened in China. They happened in, in in Korea. And when I say Korea, I'm talking about the whole Korean peninsula before the 20th century politics. And they happened in ancient Rome. And in point of fact, they happened in Greece. They happened in a lot of places. Most of those empires fell specifically because of their g- degeneracy. And I think it was actually kind of a nice thing for God to vaporize Sodom and Gomorrah as a warning. He sent the flood, yes, to clean to cleanse that filth off of the face of the earth. Same filth, by the way. This is a key thing to under this is a key thing to understand. That according to the Jewish Midrash. Which would, which would have been the which would have been the ancient Jewish tradition. God's God didn't send the flood until after the people started issuing marriage certificates for men with other men and humans with animals. So he tried to correct this twice, and then after that he was like, "Okay, screw it. You guys can fall into your own degeneracy." And I got to be honest with you, <clears throat> I like the joke that people sometimes crack, particularly like Billy Graham. I think it was Billy Graham. Somebody on the somebody in the chat in the rundown said it was Billy Graham. Um, that if God doesn't, doesn't chastise America, doesn't actually smite the United States of America for its degeneracy, he will soon have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. But this is not true. Sodom and Gomorrah was the, the the vaporization of Sodom and Gomorrah was a merciful way to handle it. The flood was a merciful way to handle it. God's intervention was mercy. Ooh, that seems weird, isn't it? Doesn't it? Now here's the deal. Do you want the slow crawl into oblivion or the quick smiting, punishing hand of God? Now, if you're a Catholic and you look, okay, so most people look and they go, well, why would the the punishing hand of God, why would the wrath of God be considered a mercy? 
Because whoever makes it afterwards sees it as a warning. Because whoever's left has an opportunity to turn away and repent and move towards God. And let's be real. Have you tried talking to some of these purple-haired, nose-ring-wearing, tattooed, orca-fat, shrill, lispy people? Have you tried reasoning with these people? Kind of hard, isn't it? It's kind of sort of difficult. I mean, we see you see them on Libs of TikTok on Twitter screaming, "You are the people they warned us about." Talking, talking. I don't know that that word salad of supposed gender nonsense. Do these, are these the people that strike you as the kind of people that you're going to sit down and have an intellectual conversation and try to speak to them about charity and mercy and justice? Do you honestly believe that you're going to have a solid conversation about penitence? Now, don't get me wrong. Miracles do happen, and God pours out his graces the way he decides to pour out his graces. But do you think you can count on the graces of God to provide an uplifting communication about sex, about modesty, about virtue, humility, justice, prudence, temperance. Do you honestly believe that you're going to find, be able, first, do also, do you honestly believe that you will be able to find the proper words, absent the intervention of the Holy Spirit, to be able to converse with these people in a manner that they comprehend and that they understand and that they will actually take in? Or do you think it is not more likely that what you say will just cause them to ossify and fortify their position and harden their hearts? You see, God smote humanity with the flood. And then God smote Sodom and Gomorrah. And then after that, it was like, all right, is that what you want? Go for it. You guys can be scattered. It was like, you know what? You guys did, y'all didn't figure it out when I wiped the whole planet off. You didn't figure it out when I vaporized and turned a city to salt. You, if you ain't figured it out like that, cool, then we're going to send you war. We're going to preoccupy you so that you cannot fall into these errors because you'd be too busy trying to feed yourself, raise your kids, and survive. And he was willing to go with it like that for a very long time. And then finally he said, you know what, let's try a different tack. And he showed up on this earth and talked to us. And then explained it. And he didn't spend time talking these grandiose speeches about root causes. He said, this is what makes a person blessed. And this is what the result's going to be. These are the things that destroy a man. It's not what they eat, it's what they spit out. 
because what they spit out, particularly in word and deed, comes from the heart. And that message, and the message that he loved us that much, that changed the world in a, in a way that only God can. Well, we've come to the point now where, the, where humanity, which was once content to try and figure it out, try to work their way through the world, but generally preferred the yoke that is the cross of our Lord over all of the others, have decided that that yoke chafes, that the human body can be reprogrammed, that like a machine, you could hit, <laughs> like a video game system, you can enter in the cheat, code, cheat codes. Up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, start. And we started thinking that, well, what if we came out of the ooze? What if we evolved? Well, then we're just animals. And some came at it from another direction. They called us just machines. Which is actually where a lot of these degenerate sexual practices come from. Because what you're trying to do is hit the cheat codes for the dopamine hit. You're trying, you're trying to run around the bypass and get the norepinephrine. The active ingredient, the thing that is most active in heroin. Those cheat codes of pornography. Those cheat codes of other types of sexual degeneracy. Because it's about the dopamine. It's about the neuroepinephrine. It's about feeling good and being comfortable. It's not about suffering. It's not about trying. It's not about sacrifice. It's not about putting away for tomorrow. It's spend tomorrow for right now. Burn it up. Use it. Waste it all. Enjoy it while you can. You may recognize this quote. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Let's do it now. We can spend our future today. Well, now, now we're in a bit of a pickle. Because most of us, in particular, especially those of us who are traditional Protestant Christians, especially those of us who are traditional Catholics, Orthodox Catholics, conservative Catholics, who are looking at the world and going, holy cow, everything's going mad. Is this the end of the world? Are we coming up on the end times? Is the Antichrist right around the corner? We're looking for... Okay, Let's be real for just a moment. We're looking for something to explain what's going on. Okay? If the Antichrist is right around the corner, then we could... Like, a lot of us actually look for that, and so we can breathe a sigh of relief and go, Okay, cool, it's the end of the world. I just have to make it a couple more years. Think about it. If you're, listen if you're one of my listeners, you listen to this podcast, I want you to stop for a second 
And I'm talking about my regulars, the guys who come here and actually know that I've been talking about how the chastisement's coming, how we're looking to suffer, and all of this, that, and the other. I want you to stop for a minute and think about it. it would it not be easier to expect the Antichrist to come next year, the year after? My marker for 2029 has to do with, you know, the vagaries of the calendar and the way things kind of work. But I'm under no illusions that 2029 is anything real. It just looks like that's about where it's going to be. God can change his mind. He can switch it. He can, he can say, you know what, you guys, somebody could have actually repented a little bit more. You could have prayed one more rosary. You know what? Somebody, like, you could have actually shown, more people could have shown a contrite, contrite spirit, but because there's not, because they're not, we're just going to let this go further. You know how upset I'll be if 2029, just like if the entirety, if, if May 13th, June 13th, July 13th, August 13th, September 13th, October 13th, you know how upset I'm going to be if, if those manage to roll by and there's no no thing, no it, happening? I'm not going to care. Because I'm going to look at the whole thing and go, up. Oh, it's worse than I thought. Because the longer we go without the correction, the fact is, is the worse off we really were. We could actually degenerate ad infinitum until God actually draws back the curtain and he could let this go all the way till 2100, all the way till 2200, all the way till 2300. He might let this go all the way to 2417. 2517. It might be another 500 years where this continues in this trajectory. I want you to imagine what the world will look like on this trajectory right now for 500 years the filth, the degradation, the disgust, the destruction, the mayhem, the utter depravity and wickedness in the world. If you follow the trajectory, just take, and mind you, I'm not trying to stretch this all the way out. I just want you to take from 2015 to 2022, and I want you to draw that line for 500 more years, and I want you to think for a moment about what that's going to look like. Would you want to live in that? And aren't you glad you're not? Because I can't imagine that being anything other than hell on earth. Without a course correction. And that's the key thing. Without a course correction. And God could certainly allow that to happen. If you think, if you think we're having a bad time now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And that's what I'll be thinking about if we get to 2029, 2030, 2030, all the way through to 2033, which is actually my window of opportunity where I think, where I anticipate a lot of major things happening. But that window from 29 to 33, here in a few more years, if it passes by and we just keep going, my only real thought is, oh, it was worse than I thought. I guess, I guess he's not, I guess he's just going to let it go. And oh, hey, by the way, in the same way that my coffee cup can't tell me when I should put it in the dishwasher, who am I to tell God? Because the distance between the coffee cup and me is narrower than the distance between me and God. So who am I to tell God how he's going to run, how he's going to run his creation? But a lot of us are looking for the Antichrist, specifically because somewhere deep down inside, somewhere in the back of our mind, we know that this can just continue to get worse and worse and worse. So some of us are looking for it. We're looking for it to be the next few years because we think we can make it. Well, it's 2022. I'm in my 40s. I can make it to 2029. If I could just make it to 2029, I might even make it to 2029 in a state of grace. Can you imagine that? And there's no small part of that that's in there in a lot of people's minds. How do I know? Because it's in mine also. Because I am in my 40s, and I think, God willing, I can make it to 2029. I can make it to 2033. And if 2033 is the peak battle, the last battle between Christ and Antichrist, between God and the devil, if I can make it to there, I can just make it to there, and then I can see the curtain roll back and the glory of God shown to all mankind. And I could see that that is actually the time of the general judgment. And I might only have about a half second between my particular judgment and the general judgment. And oh, wouldn't that be great? But this can go for much longer. God can let this go.
and we're not there yet. We're there in places. When you see those video clips of people walking through airports in their underwear, or you see those video clips of, of little old ladies getting the daylights beaten out of them in broad daylight in the middle of the street with other people just looking at them. When you see a, a fight between two people turn into a brawl that consumes an entire airplane. It certainly feels like it's getting bad enough. But you know when we're really at the main point of the chastisement? It's when you wake up every moment, when you wake up every morning and you wish you didn't. When you're sitting there eating breakfast, assuming you can eat breakfast, because famine is a thing, and you wish you were dead instead. When you walk past the cemetery and you look with longing to be one of the buried dead. We're not just talking about depression. We're talking about utter despair. And for Catholics, that's kind of keen because most of us understand that if we commit suicide in a state like that, this, we're not necessarily talking about mental illness. We're talking in this one, sacred scripture says, they will seek death and find it not. You'll try to die and you won't. And I will tell you, I've been there. I know what that looks like. Tell you a bit of a personal story. In late 2012, I think it was December, I attempted suicide. I'd gotten drunk. I was taking pain medication. I was in utter utter despair and I had a gun and I took the gun and I put it up to my head and I pulled the trigger and the hammer dropped and the round didn't go off I opened the chamber looked at the bullet, I cursed God, something to the effect, are you, are you effing kidding me? Something along those lines. And I promptly passed out. And I woke up in the morning with the, uh, with the gun still in my hand and the slide was still, it was still locked back to the rear and the magazine was still in there and I'm, and on the coffee table was the bullet that didn't go off. And I woke up and I said, are you effing kidding me? 
and I looked again at the bullet because I was stone cold sober by this point. Defective primer happens. Doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And I got out of bed knowing figure of speech I was on the I was on the couch I got up off the couch and I went to the bathroom to take a shower knowing that I must have been damned I took a shower brushed my teeth washed my face all that stuff and I got dressed and I went to work gun still sitting on my coffee table. <clears throat> and I'm reasonably certain as bad as that felt, as lost as I was, what's coming will probably be worse. And on that sunshiny note, <laughs> I don't tell you these things to, to depress you. I'm certainly not telling you a story about my attempted suicide to brag. But it's out there. The possibility that even when you try to escape, God will say no. You made the bed, you're gonna live in it. You built the house, it's yours, and you're gonna live there. You piled up all that trash, all that detritus, all that, all that degeneracy around you and you're going to wallow in it. And that is a possibility. They don't it doesn't say it explicitly in sacred scripture, but that is a possibility even for the faithful. Do I know exactly what's coming? No, I haven't got the slightest idea. I do know that it rhymes with war, famine, pestilence and death. I know that it's going to get much worse. Notwithstanding an intervention. Also, I know it's going to get much worse because the intervention's not going to come unless we do the penance. Unless we make the reparation. Unless we say individually and as our families that we have sinned and we've sinned against God. But before I go too far, I should probably illustrate a couple of things, since we're coming up on an hour. And if I was on the rundown, this would be my unpopular opinion. The commandments are written in order of precedent. God didn't 
issue out the commandments to Moses and then have the 10th commandment be like, oh, and another thing, I am the Lord your God and you'll have no other gods before me. He started with that because that was by far the most important. The next one, you will not take my name in vain. For I am the Lord. I made you. And in ways that you can't even begin to imagine, I can end you. The third one. Keep holy the Sabbath. Now those are the top three priorities of the Most High God, creator of the universe, the one who formed and fashioned out of dust the entirety of mankind, who weaves together every child in the womb by his own will. Those were the top three priorities. So what does this mean? This means... Oh, and this is going to be such... Oh, I'm so sorry to say this. If you're one of those people who goes to the movies on Sundays, if you're one of those people who spends all day vegging out watching Netflix, if you're one of those people who works on Sundays and holy days of obligations because you need that extra cash... If you're one of those people who watches sports, who Russia, in fact, more importantly, the one, the type who, like, maybe, maybe kind of pulling out your cell phone and kind of looking through it, check in, you know, excuse yourself to go to the bathroom when you're at church to check the scores, or you rush home to try and catch as much of the game as possible. You get home and you immediately you peel off the church clothes, assuming you even wore them in the first place. And, and you turn on the TV and you put on your sports jersey and you watch a little sports ball. Or whatever the similarity is. I'm picking on sports because it, for decades it was the most iconic way to commit idolatry. I'll put it like this. If you watched the Super Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday but you didn't go to Mass, it would have been preferable for you to murder every unborn child in your state. It would have been better, in the grand scheme of things, for you to go door to door and find every pregnant woman and shoot her in the stomach and murder her unborn children. Because the commandments are written in priority, which means the first one is the God that God gets everything first. He created you, you owe him everything in your life. You don't get to insult him, and you don't get to ignore him. Now, you can choose to do so anyway, but, I mean, let's be real, like I, like I just said. One blaspheming word is worse than going door-to-door and shooting every pregnant woman that you find in the stomach to murder her baby. One blasphemy. One skipped or half-assed mass. One half-hearted prayer is worse 
than butchering an entire town of unborn children. Does this seem extreme? It shouldn't. Because unlike murdering 30 million unborn babies, unlike that, See, 30 million has a finite unit. There's 30 million children. It's vast. It's huge. It's a ridiculously high number, right? 30 million is still not infinity. And one bout of blasphemy, one bout of blasphemy is not a transgression against 30 million babies. It's a transgression against every human who was ever born, every human who will ever be born, it is a transgression against every grain of sand. It is a transgression against every planet and every star. It is a transgression against every atom of creation because it is a transgression against the one who created it all. One half-hearted prayer. It's not a mortal sin, but by degree, that venial sin is far more detrimental to the whole of creation than the butchering of all 8 million Jews in the Holocaust. One. One half-hearted prayer. We don't even actually have to get to the one blasphemy. It's more grievous because of who that transgression is against, because of what you're transgressing. And if you look back through movies in Hollywood and on television, before they really went after the family, what did they do? They normalized taking the Lord's name in vain. You couldn't even drop an F-bomb, but you could take the Lord's name in vain. It's just words. God has a sense of humor. And he does, for sure. But he's under no obligation to be patient. He's under no obligation to be merciful. He's under no obligation to us for anything. Because we didn't make him. We didn't build him like an automobile or a plane. We didn't build him like a house. We didn't form him from the clay like a pot or a coffee cup. We didn't do any of that. We had nothing to do with it. We couldn't even form ourselves. I'm not here. I'm not even really here because mom and dad got it, got it on and boom. Mom and dad got it on and opened the door, but it was God who wove me together. I know I'm not here of my own will. And I know they weren't paying close enough attention for me to be born by their will. I know this for a fact because I know my parents and I know what they were like at the time. They were not trying for me. My mother was the only one happy to, happy to see me until I was born. And then it didn't really take long for my father to really say, oh, 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 oh wait, 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 wait. I don't get as much time with 
with her. I married her. Like, I didn't marry this kid. <laughs> Wasn't long before it would prove itself that I was not here of their will. They did a deed. God said, cool, you did the deed. Here's Caleb. I wasn't the one who chose to be here. So it's kind of foolish for me to transgress against the one who did choose for me to be here. And I'm not trying to say this like I'm holier than thou. The fact is, is I'm saying this, this is as much a condemnation of myself because I can think, I can think of today. Having done all of the, having done, well, not the going door to door and murdering a whole bunch of pregnant women or, or shooting them in the stomach to kill their babies. I haven't done that today. But talking about the blasphemy, talking about the half-hearted prayer, talking about, you know, really not paying attention to my obligations, I could, I could think of times today, this last week, this last month, this last year. I can't even count them all up. So it's certainly not an accusation to you if you think I'm trying to be holier than thou. Well, believe you me. Actually, if you're new to the show, then you might not know that I am most definitely a monster. Although I'm sure you probably figured it out from this podcast episode. <laughs> the fact is, we don't deserve any better. Those of us who claim to be Catholic, we don't pray our rosary every day. Those of us who claim to be traditional Catholic, we probably miss a rosary here or there. It's really not our fault. We know we get distracted with things that for that day are more important than spending time with God. And that little bit of lack of charity towards our Creator is actually worse than murder. Because that's how God's law was written. And deep down inside, we know it. That's why people who revel in, in the degeneracy down at the lowest levels, you know, those who break the 10th and 9th and 8th and 7th and 6th commandment, they don't have a problem with people who break the fifth commandment. In fact, what you'll notice is that people who people who break the ninth and the sixth commandments in particular, they celebrate when people break the fifth commandment. They celebrate when people commit abortion. They shout out their abortions. They flaunt the fact that they violate the sixth and ninth commandments. We're turning into a nation that revels in the violation of the Eighth and Seventh Commandments. And you get there, you arrive down there, having already neglected that God, that God is, having already re refused to show him the respect he deserves, having already refused to give him any time out of your week. And chances are, 
You don't show your parents the respect. You don't show your country the respect. You don't believe you don't believe that there's anything that there's anything worth sacrificing in your country and your community. And I'm going to be blunt. The further you go with that, many of you probably don't even take like the ones. I say you, obviously, most of my listeners here, many of them are probably, are likely Christian. The demographics prove out that you guys are mostly traditional Catholics. The analytics say most of you are traditional Catholics, so understand I'm not pointing at you in particular. But the fact is, is the people who already break this, who, 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 who are proud of the fact that they violate the sixth and ninth commandments, they don't even actually care about their own children. And we see that every single day. The abusive moms who force their who force their young boys to watch a pride parade. Oh, it's not that bad. What? It's just pride. The fact is, is when you're when you're regularly violating the sixth and ninth commandments, when you're proud of them, you already gave up on the first, on the first commandment. That was already gone. They're written in order for a reason. They play themselves out in order. First you reject God, then you blaspheme God. Then you get others to, and you do whatever it is you're going to do, you don't give any time to God. You reject your own patrimony, you reject your own heritage, you reject your own parents and your own inheritance. And you're willing to kill and rape and lie and cheat and steal. Anyway, I feel like I've been entirely, I've been on this whole thing a little bit, just like a lot too long. This is a much longer unpopular opinion than I probably should have been able to give. (laughs) As long as we're like that, as long as we don't turn back, as long as we refuse metanoiate, repentance. As long as we refuse penance and reparation, as long as we refuse to sacrifice for the good of others, to sacrifice even for our own good in the future, as long as we're willing to do the exact opposite of everything that good people for the last 2,000 years knew was good we don't deserve the treatment of Sodom and Gomorrah we don't deserve the treatment of the flood we actually deserve to envy the dead to suffer in that much despair and many people have already chosen that you can totally you can already tell So please, start with yourself, pray, do penance, make reparation. Lead your family in prayer. Lead your family in penance. Lead your family in reparation. And I'm speaking to the men. Because if you don't do it, 
your kids really aren't going to care. If you men don't do it, what do they care if mom does it? Because if you, honestly, men, if you don't do it, chances are mom is already purple haired. Mom's probably already putting on weight. She's already tattooed. She's probably going to be nose pierced and everything. And it won't be that long till she's talking about how she's no longer cis. She's, she's homo flexible, gender fluid, whatever. And you won't be long for that household because the world is stacked against you altogether. So lead your, lead, lead your families. And maybe over time, your family will lead your church in prayer and penance and reparation. Maybe if you're actually a really good father, one of your children will become a priest and lead your community. It's going to take time to be sure. But that's actually the mark of a successful Catholic husband and father. That you give at least, at least one child to the priesthood. If you really want to be successful, then it's going to be at least a child, at least one son to the priesthood, and at least one daughter to the nunnery, to the cloisters. And maybe that's all you have to give. Okay, cool. Is what it is. But you're not actually successful as a parent if at least one of your kids isn't already consecrated to God. All of them really should be, but one of them most definitely should be in a particular special way. Surrendered back to God for God to do with as he pleases. Otherwise, you're just being greedy and selfish. Anyway, oof, I don't want to go down that path. That's yet another path I could probably talk for like another 30, 40 minutes on. Anyhow, pray, do penance, make reparation, pray for the church, pray for the nation, pray for your communities, and do the things that show that you actually have other people's good in mind. The things that are actually good for other people in mind. We do that, we do it, we do that long enough, it'll be much better than voting. And we'll change the world much, much faster. I mean, some of us will be martyred because of it, but whatevs. I mean, you win some, you lose some, and sometimes you really win. And martyrdom, that's a pretty big win. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.